this morning are taken from Matthew 6 and Romans 12. The first one is Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And the second reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 19. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, good morning. I was hoping a lot of people would be away today. <laughs> There's lots of spare seats, but I'm glad you're all here. And, um, and what a wonderful way we've been led into worship this morning. I couldn't have picked the songs better myself or, or even um, that prayer to really, it's just really going to complement what the Lord's been laying on my heart over really a few months. And um, it's been great over these last few weeks just to be talking about generosity. And it was great to hear Pete speak last week on vocation and looking at Jonah. Jonah's one of those stories. Actually, it's one of those stories. It's probably the only one I really remember from Sunday school. And um, it's bad to admit, isn't it? You, you need to go to Sunday school, kids, so we'll see for Kay. Um, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot more than what I did back then. But anyway, that was just where I was at at that time. But what I want to say about um, Jonah, it's more about when I come up here to preach, um, I feel like I'm here in front of that, um, or been going to that great city of Nineveh, and, and it's not that I'm seeing you as all these terrible sinners, um, but we know that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it's more like... I feel like I want to run to Tarshish or I'm already on my way to Tarshish. I have been for the last um, few months when I really felt this stirring. God was taking me on this journey of forgiveness. And in my head, I had all these excuses. And as I said, I was already well on that way to Tarshish. But then I think that um, the whale or the fish, I got thrown overboard and swallowed me up and has carried me on to, to Nineveh. And um, so here I am now. So let's just uh, commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you that you are a good, good Father. We thank you that we are all on our own journeys. And Lord, when we commit ourselves to you, we can trust you, fully trust you on that journey. So Lord, I pray that the words that you've given me today, Lord, the journey that you've had me on as I share might be an encouragement 
to those here that hear it today. Lord, that you might speak afresh to someone here today. And Lord, that it would be your Holy Spirit that will be doing the work. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So as I said, I felt that maybe I should share my journey of what the Lord's been teaching me about forgiveness. And for the Lord to work out that that today would just tie in with communion was just another confirmation as I was seeing all these confirmations along the way. So let me ask you, who's ever struggled with forgiveness? Either forgiving someone or asking for forgiveness? Anyone? I thought I might see a few more hands than that. Maybe, um, yeah, we won't go there. (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting, nor does it mean condoning or excusing the offences. Wendy Blight, in her book, Hidden Joy in a Dark Corner, quotes Beth Moore, who describes forgiveness as handing over to God the responsibility for justice. As we heard from our Bible readings, Romans 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And the Matthew passage For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now that's a pretty good reason in my book to forgive. But, it's always a but, isn't there? But forgiveness is not an easy thing. Even Jesus needed to take it to the Father as he was hanging on the cross He cried out, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Uh, Did many of you get to see the movie Overcomer when it was out? I think it was back in August. Anyone? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, I I actually saw it twice. Um, And I'll try not to spoil it for those who might want to see it in the future. But there were many lessons uh, that could be taken from that movie. But because the Lord was challenging me on forgiveness around that time, that's the message that jumped out to me the most. So here's a bit of a spoiler alert. Hannah Scott was the main character in the film. When she accepted forgiveness from Christ and found her identity in the one who created her, she actually found the strength to forgive her father that had abandoned her as a baby. Also in the movie Overcomer, we see Hannah's grandmother and she was on her own journey. And her journey was a bit more about trust. Um, And it was forgiveness as well that she had to deal with. Now she'd raised Hannah when Hannah's mother had died and her father abandoned her. 
So without giving too much more away, um, she wasn't ready to forgive Hannah's father because she did not trust that he wouldn't hurt them again. So that's where we get into trust, because when trust is broken, that's where forgiveness is needed. In this life, we will all be hurt at some stage. And I don't know what your hurt might be, or whether the pain from that hurt still lingers. I know mine can, but I know that our loving God does not desire that pain to rule my life or your life. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How do we do that? Sometimes it's even challenging to just be having that desire to pray for someone who's hurt you. It's going to be different for everybody. And one of the things I just want to point out is that we should never put ourselves in danger. But first, we need to trust God. I believe our first view of God is actually established in the example of our earthly parents. So if trust has been broken there and that relationship is not good and healthy, then we possibly won't have a good and healthy view of our Heavenly Father. When I started uh, reading and studying the Bible many, many years ago, a verse that became a favourite of mine was Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Probably many of you know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will keep your path straight. Now this can be very easy to roll off our tongues, can't it? And even quote to others in difficult times, which may I say is not always helpful but it's not always easy to live out, especially when your pregnancy test comes back negative month after month, or that diagnosis is not what you're expecting. There's not enough money in the bank to pay the next bill. You're burnt out and can't even see a way forward, or whatever scenario you could put in that place. It's where you really need to rely on the Lord because in your own understanding, none of it makes sense. But as I've learnt over time, when we cry out to him in those times and claim those promises, when we don't understand, each day we can recognise a little bit of progress and slowly gain more confidence in him, trusting that he will never leave us or forsake us. And then we can look back at those times knowing with confidence that it's nothing of ourselves but everything of him that he's brought us to where we're at. In one of her many books, Lisa Turkus talks about imperfect progress. And we're all imperfect. I think if we're honest, we've all had times where we feel we're not a good enough Christian, but it's not about being good enough. It's it's about what Christ has done, what he's done for us on the cross and our acceptance of that. And that, that covers our sins. And each bit along the way is progress. Christ is the only 
he was the only perfect human. We can never reach that perfection. It's only through him. So imperfect progress. Every little step is a bit of progress. The next point is acknowledging our own sin. As I mentioned earlier, Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when I really grasp this, then it makes it easier to forgive others. None of us are perfect, and we have no business comparing ourselves with who we may consider worse sinners than ourselves. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not just that person that broke into your home, or the drunk driver that might have killed or permanently disabled a loved one, or that rapist or murderer in jail. We've had a few weddings in the last week, well, last two weeks. So we had one last night, family wedding, and the week before, we had a wedding um, from a, one of the young guys at Leon's work. And after dinner, I was chatting to one of Leon's work colleagues and was very vocal and um, had great joy in telling me that he was an atheist. Didn't believe in God, because if there was a God, um, why didn't he just strike down all those murderers and rapists? And that's not always an easy question to answer, is it? Because we know God could if he wanted to, but he loves everyone. Everyone so much that he desires all to come to a saving knowledge of him. So rather than trying to convince this guy, I just shared some of my journey with him. I shared how the Lord led me to KSBC. And when I shared my story, he said, oh, that's what I'd like, that confidence in seeing God at work. Well, I proceeded to tell him that um, it's taken many years of getting to know God personally, to hear him clearer and recognise him at work. And unfortunately, I can't stand here this morning and tell you that he immediately fell to his knees and accepted Christ as Lord and Saviour. But I trust a seed was planted and there's room for God's spirit to work in this guy's life. But the biggest issue, I think, in this guy's life is not recognising everyone as being created in the image of God. Only God is holy. And as sinners, we all deserve eternal punishment because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So forgiveness. We're getting there. It may be as simple as starting to pray for that person who's hurt you or betrayed your trust. But this is difficult. And I'd even go as far as to say that it's impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. In my journey, in this last little bit, because I've been on, on this journey of forgiveness many times, but just in this recent one, I actually had to pray this prayer from Ezekiel 36:26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And we need our heart of stone to be replaced with God's spirit to receive that heart of flesh. 
And even though I'd already done that many, many years ago, because there's been several um, times in my life where hurt from others has caused pain and anger, and I even hate to admit it, even bitterness in my life, I had to repeat that again. The main biggie was when my dad left and chose to wipe me and my sister from his life. Now, I was actually a married woman when this took place, and my firstborn was only a few months old. She turned 31 last month. There's been many times in the last 20 years where my sister and I have made contact with our dad to try and resolve things. And one of those times, I actually told him I forgave him, to which he responded, what for? I've done nothing wrong. So where do you go with that? It goes back to the last point I made about recognising our own sin. So the only place I could go with it to settle my heart was back to Jesus. But then in July this year, I found out that my dad would be at my niece's 21st birthday party. Now, he'd not been at any family functions over the last 31 years, and my heart was troubled. I was feeling anxious, and this is where I really started to wrestle with the issue of whether I had really forgiven my dad or not, especially when he wouldn't accept that forgiveness. If I had, why was I feeling so unsettled? Around that time, I discovered an online Bible study through Proverbs 31 Ministries, and it was working through a book written by Wendy Blight called Hidden Joy in a Dark Corner. Now, Wendy shares her struggle that she had of terror, despair, and hopelessness, which she lived over 20 years ago, when an armed, masked man hid inside her home and then raped her. For many years, being a rape victim defined and defined her life and left her cocooned in a prison of fear. She writes, It stole my every hope and dream, but God's love and his word set my heart free. I learned that within the confines of God's story, nothing had been stolen from me, but rather everything was given to me. My life, which felt so out of control, was in reality in complete control, God's control. For Wendy, once all the options for seeing justice for her attacker were taken away, there was only one place left that she could settle to find freedom, and she found that in God's word, particularly in Romans 12, 17 to 19. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So it doesn't mean that the emotions won't be triggered by certain events or circumstances, 
but it means that there can be some progress in moving forward. Imperfect progress. The Lord has helped me to come to a place to forgive others, even when they may choose not to accept my forgiveness, because he's done that for all mankind, whether they accept it or not. Another time, probably a bit more recently, was with a boss that I was working with. We'd had some challenging situations that we'd encountered over a few years that we'd worked together. And the Lord had revealed to me that my boss may have been felt hurt by something that I'd challenged him about several months earlier. Now, I'd been hurt in this as well by his reaction, but I was challenged by the Lord that I was to apologise and ask for forgiveness for what I'd said and if that had caused him any hurt. So I wrote a letter and posted it, snail mail, not email. <laughs> and it was nearly a week later before I was called into his office and he acknowledged that he'd received the letter, thanked me for it, and then said, let's move on. Now, if I'm honest, I think I was actually hoping for an apology in return, but I never received one. And several months later, the Lord did move me on from that job. But in both instances, I can honestly stand before you today and say that I have a peace. And as far as it's dependent on me, I am living at peace with everyone. It's not that I'm having happy family dinners with my dad, but it does mean I could attend my niece's 21st birthday party with a peace that surpasses all understanding and say hello to my dad when we cross paths and not feel uncomfortable, and also to attend an uncle's funeral when my dad and I would cross paths again a few weeks later. And with my old boss, I can actually attend things now where I know he will be and not feel totally overwhelmed. The final point actually leads us into our time of communion. And it's about Christ's ultimate forgiveness. As I've learnt to trust God more and more, he's helped me to come to a deeper understanding of the love that he has for me especially the sacrifice that he made in dying on the cross, taking the punishment for my sin so that I can live in a restored relationship with him. We all know too well the accounts of Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples, but today as we share in communion, I want us to consider not just the solemnness of this account, and the sacrament, but also the joy in the victory of this time. In Luke 22, verses 14 to 20, we see Jesus reclining at the table with his disciples, telling them that he's, great, that he's eagerly desiring to partake in the Passover with them before he suffered. He also says, I will not eat again until it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. I want you to remember that. He took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, I don't think the disciples really understood the importance of what Jesus was actually doing for them at this point. But hindsight's always a wonderful thing, isn't it? And when we get to chapter 24 in Luke, which picks up the events of the Sunday after the crucifixion, we find some of the women going to the tomb with spices to prepare Jesus' body, as was custom, but the stone had been rolled away and his body had gone. Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. They ran back to tell the disciples and there were others who were there with them, but they didn't believe the women. So we heard that last week too, didn't we? That women were nothing. Now on the same day, two of the other men were heading off to Emmaus and chatting to each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together? One of them said, are you a visitor to Jerusalem? Do you not know what has happened in these last days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Jesus' response to them was, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? Then he started explaining to them all that was written about him in the scriptures. When they got to the village where they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going to travel a bit further. But they urged him to stay with them. If I can invite the stewards to come forward now.
So when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognised him. This is what I want to focus on this morning as we take communion. This was after the resurrection. And their eyes were opened as they took the bread and the wine. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us and opened the scriptures to us? This morning, as we take the bread, can I ask you to just sit quietly, take that in your own time, and can I challenge you to ask the Lord to open your eyes afresh to him today, that your hearts would burn within you a deeper love for him in response to the generous forgiveness that he's offered you. If you're a visitor here today, we have an open table here. So if you love the Lord, you are welcome to join with us. And after a little bit of time, after it's all been passed around, we'll drink the juice together. Let me just pray first. Lord, as we take the bread and the juice today, may you open our eyes anew to your sacrifice and generous forgiveness for our sins. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, eat the bread in your own time and reflect quietly and we'll hold on to the cup and drink together.